Thank you, Jesus. Well, as we know, it's a fifth Sunday. And so that means we always here at Valley Church, we believe completely and 100% what the Lord has given to us. And that is to equip and empower you to fulfill your purpose in Christ. And it's always amazing to watch on a fifth Sunday that we get the chance to see three people get up here and walk in their true identity, walk in their calling, be able to equip and see them be fulfilled and see them be uh, uh, used of God in a way to bring the word uh, for each and every time. And it's just, it's amazing. So prepare your hearts. Get ready because it's getting ready to be like a three-course meal that you're about to, to receive. And so for the first person to start us off, he has been here for probably almost two years now. Um, and he came in and he was automatically loved by many. But one more in particular than all, he was loved by Pastor Christie, and they ended up getting married and she moved him here. <laughs> but I tell you what, Ryan has been such a tremendous blessing. I'm sure not just to the Hardy family, but to us as a Valley Church. And this, this last youth camp, he got up and he, I asked him, he was up there with us at youth camp for a few days. And I asked him if he would bring the word to the, to the guys that when we do split session and he'd bring the word to the guys. And he got up with confidence. He spoke to those, to those young guys about what it was to walk as a man of God. And this man of God that I'm bringing to the, to the platform first, Ryan Brodeen, is a man of God. He walks in that anointing. And I'm telling you, get ready. Open up your hearts, your minds. Pull out your notebook. Get ready to take some notes because he has already been given the, the power and authority through the Holy Spirit. And so would you help me welcome to the stage, we know him, we love him, Ryan Brodeen, as he starts off. These first three amigos. Thank you, Pastor Tim, for that wonderful introduction. Um, and thank you to the pastoral staff again for the opportunity to do this. This is my second time getting to be a, a three amigo. And uh, it's a huge honor and a joy and a privilege. And uh, just super exciting to be up here. So, um, how many of you were here last time I spoke? Got to get a raise of hands? Okay. All right, good. So um, if you remember, my, my uh, sermon last time was built upon a math kind of theory, the rule of 72. And uh, you guys might be hearing that already and be thinking, oh no, where is he going with this? Um, I figured since we uh, kind of laid the platform of that formula that we'd build off of that and dive into a little bit of a more complex formula. So I put together a 10-point power... No, I'm just joking with you guys. We're not doing any math today. Um, thankfully, when I was processing with the Lord, what he wanted me to share, I was just very happy that that didn't come to mind or no other formulas. I was like, no, let's not have that happen again. Um, but when I was praying about this and processing this week, the word that just kept coming to my mind was just one simple word, and that word was now. I just kept hearing the time is now. And uh, I want to start with the scripture. It's from Matthew 25. It's the parable of the ten virgins. And it says this, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. 
At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. If you read this scripture and you don't quite fully understand what it is, it's essentially referring to um, our call to righteousness and holiness and how we are, we are called to live our lives with our lampstands filled with oil so that when the day that Jesus returns, we are ready and we're not, we're not running around trying to scramble and, and make up for the lost time. So it's a convicting scripture to read, but I think it's important that we read these scriptures because these are the ones that, that convict us into walking deeper into holiness, into really pursuing God because we realize the reality that there is a heaven right? There is a heaven that we're, that we're called to, to lead towards, and we're called to lead the people around us into. And so I wanna, what I want to take away from this is that we are called to be living this life now. We are called to be walking in what God has called us to now. There's so many times where we can make, you know, an excuse. We can say, well, you know, we'll start attending church more often once our kids get a little older, and they maybe actually understand what's going on. Or, We'll start giving more once we start making more money, or we'll start serving more once this frees up. But the reality is most of you know that as time goes, something else comes up on Sunday and you can't come to church, or you start making more money and it actually gets a lot harder to give more, or whatever those excuses are. And I say this from personal experience. I was, when I was preparing for this, I was just reflecting even on the last couple years of my life and uh, I kind of just have become somewhat aware that I, I have put a lot of focus on my business or different things. And by doing that, I've, I've been so focused on the thing way out there that I've sometimes lost sight of what's right in front of me, lost sight of the people right in front of me, the opportunity to give, to love, to do these things. And so for me, I'm, I'm sharing this message and I'm saying, for me, the time is now. The time is shifting back to that now. It's not it's not going to be two years from now. It's going to be now. And it's something we're all called to, called to do. Because time is short. I'm, I'm only 27, but I look back on the last 10 years, and it feels like it's just a blink. And I, I look, I think, ahead to 50 years from now, and if the last 10 years is a blink, the next 50 is going to just go by just like that. And we read in Scripture in James 4, it says this. It says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil." If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So anyone who's lived, lived any length of life knows that, you know, what this scripture says is so true. Life is just a midst. It's like we're here and then we're gone. Our life is a blimp on the radar in the, in the scheme of eternity. 
And you read, that, you read that last line of that scripture, and it says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. And man, I read that, and I was, I was just thinking, man, that is extremely convicting. And, it, and it's even more convicting on just the message we're talking about, living for now. And you look back, you say, man, I, if I wasn't living for now, I was missing out on those opportunities to do good, and it actually says I was sinning. And I, I say that once again, that these scriptures are supposed to be convicting. They're supposed to call us higher, right? And I want to give, I want to now start to kind of tie this together and give you an example of what this gets to look like um, uh, and, and share a story of a person who chose to start living in the now many years ago and gets to bear the fruit of that. So some of you may know uh, my dad, he's here today, he's back there in the blue polo, um, He's awesome if you don't know him. And uh, he's somebody who we, we were blessed as a family to have the example of, of my dad as a leader who was always hearing God's voice. I can think of so many times when he would say things like, man, I just feel led to give to that person, or he feel led to pray for that person, or feel led to go do this or that for that person. And, and uh, it was just an amazing example and somebody who was in tune with God's voice and chose to walk in the now many years ago. And the fruit of that has been amazing. We just recently, my dad had a birthday, and um, for his birthday, we decided that we were going to reach out to a large group of family and friends, and um, we asked everyone to send in just a short video clip of just a testimony of what my dad's friendship, brotherhood, whatever it meant, meant to them. And our hope was we would get maybe 25, 30 videos that would come in, we actually ended up getting close to 90 different videos that came in. And it was, we watched them together as a family, and it was emotional to watch because it wasn't just a happy birthday greeting. It was, you know, people sharing of the way my dad was generous to them, the way my dad led them, the way my dad gave to them, all these different things. And it was like, wow, this is, you know, this is just the people we reached out to. You know, there could be hundreds of, hundreds of these examples but I share that because to me it was this testimony of like, wow, if I, if I choose to start walking this out now over a lifetime, like this is what I get to, this is what the fruit I get to see, all the people who are touched, all the people who, who you know, experience God's love through me. And I, I, I share that too when we were talking about the, the parable of the ten virgins being, being filled with oil. And I don't know about you guys, but for me I read that and I also think, I, I want to be filled with oil, but I want all the people around me to be filled with oil too. I don't want to look around and say, oh man, this family member walked my entire life next to me and I never shared what I had. Or, you know, this person in the workplace was next to me, I never shared what I had. And so I, I like I said, with, with all those videos received, it was just like this moment of like, wow, my dad shared what he had and this is the fruit that got to, you know, got to come from that. And so to, to close, I want to share this, um, just this kind of short vision God showed me to tie all this together. But um, if you don't know, I moved here about five years ago, and we were very rooted back in Illinois, had lots of family and friends and connections there. And so when we moved here, it was exciting, but it also was the reality of, you know, holidays come and you miss people and different things. And uh, I remember being in a quiet time with the Lord, and he just showed me this vision, essentially, of all my family and friends just 
running in this field, just playing, having fun. It was just this, just this kind of comforting example of like, wow, this is what heaven gets to look like. You know, I don't, I'm not with these people now, but, you know, one day I will be. But then with that, God said to me, he said, well, you know, this is beautiful, Ryan, but, but who, who's not here with you right now? Who in your life are you around every day that's not with you in this field running around right now? And I share that because the, the theme of this message is now. The theme is that we're called to this right now, and the repercussions of us not walking in it now is eternity. The repercussions for people around us is eternity, and, and we have to take that seriously. We have, to, we have to take the charge that God has called us to, to be, to be the bridegroom who's ready to, to, to greet when Jesus returns. And so... Um, I know it's a convicting truth, but it's a reality that there is a heaven and that we are called to be living in that as believers. We are called to be walking in the holiness and the purity God has given us so that we can reach the people around us. And one day we can, we can have an expansive, expansive group. We can have 90 people who testify of our friendship and um, what that gets to look like. So um, I'm going to pray to close. Um, so if you want to just close your eyes. Lord, I just, um, I thank you so much for, for all of us in this room. I thank you so much for just the gift of eternity that you give us and the gift of relationship that you give us, that we get to, we get to walk this life hand in hand with you. And when we begin to start saying yes to you, Lord, that you, the fruit that you bear is just, it's just amazing. It's eternal. So Lord, I pray right now that you just Give each of us divine obedience to be obedient to your Holy Spirit, your voice, Lord, that we would walk in the calling that you have placed upon our lives, Lord, and that you'd fill us with your oil and that we wouldn't, we wouldn't just be selfish with what we have, Lord, but that we would take the oil that you've given us and that we'd help fill the people around us so that it would be like a domino effect that the entire kingdom gets expanded by our obedience. So, Lord, we just thank you for the loving Father that you are, and I just pray right now over the next two speakers, God, that you just, you just anoint them with your words and your voice, God, and that it would just be a, a holy day, a holy day for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I told you to pull your notebooks out. Ryan, bro, yes, yes, that was amazing Thank you so much. Was anybody just ready to go now? Anybody challenged with that, ready to go now? Yeah, yeah. So good, so good. Um, this next speaker that we get to bring up to the platform, I'm telling you, he is such a prophetic voice. Um, he, he, like, I don't know how else to explain this other than, like, he lives out the prophetic. I don't know how else to say this. Like, he, he's amazing when you talk with him, but it's just, it's, cool because you can literally see like the zeal, the fire of the Lord that just starts going in his eyes because he loves the Lord. He loves his family and he loves to see souls like set on fire with God. He's got such an amazing testimonies, but would you help me welcome to the stage Blake as he brings the next word of God. Yeah, let's give him a hand. Come on.
Come on. A word. That message was amazing from Ryan. That was awesome, man. Um, let's just pray really quick. Holy Spirit, I just declare that you would speak through me today. I just surrender to you, and I ask that your will would be done, that what you want to say would be said. Hmm. Is it all right if I take a, a minute to uh, publicly honor someone? Sorry. <laughs> My beautiful wife, Candace, would you please stand? Sorry, when the, when the power of God comes on me, I start crying. So just, uh, just bear with me. You know, it's a dangerous prayer when you, uh, when you pray, uh, Father, break my heart for what breaks yours, because he does. <laughs> it's a dangerous prayer. Anyway, I just wanted to honor my wife really quick. This woman is so incredible. She makes me the man I am. She drives me. She makes me be the best I can be. She prays over our family every night. She reads her Bible, even when I'm tired, and I just wanted to turn off the light. She is faithful. She is... She, uh, just a quick little bit about our lives. Um, we were struggling to have our second child, and uh, my wife did not give up. She knew that God was going to give us a second. Even when I was ready to just be happy with one, she said, no, God is going to give us a second. And she held on, and she's pregnant. We're having our baby girl coming <laughs> September. So anyway, she's amazing. She's an amazing woman of God. Anyway, I always wanted to do that. So I love you. So um, earlier this week, God gave me a word that, there was a, that there's an awakening coming to Idaho. And it's not just for this church, but it's for Idaho as a whole. And uh, in it, it was, I'll just, I'll keep it short, but in it, I felt like he was uniting the churches of the valley together for a move of the Spirit to come, that we would be united to see the outpouring. But last night when I was trying to wrap up, finishing, collecting all my thoughts for this message, I, God gave me a vision. And in the vision, I saw all these people running to this really bright light. And this light symbolized the awakening coming. And all these children were running full speed. Nothing was holding them back. But then I noticed, God, why are, why are only some of the adults running? Why are some of the adults still behind? And then I looked at them and I saw that many of them were chained down and they were dragging these chains and these weights and it was slowing them. And I said, God, what are these chains? Why are they chained down? Why are they held back? And he said, because they have unforgiveness, they're holding bitterness towards another. They are chaining themselves up and they won't let me break the chains for them. I just want to break these chains, but they won't let me. They won't give it up. They're holding on to this bitterness, this resentment, this anger, this hatred, and they won't let me break those chains. Anyway. You see, God wants us to let go of the unforgiveness. In fact, he commands us to, to forgive. Anyway, I want to share a story about my father. So, growing up, I, uh, I grew up in a Christian household. 
that loved the Lord. My parents modeled God. Like Ryan was talking about, my father was always so helpful, so loving. My parents would always give, give, give. Even when they had nothing, they would always give. They would give way more than 20% of their income. Like, and they were school teachers. Like they were just always, always giving and always helping. And my father was so kind-hearted. But yet, I let the enemy take a hold in my life and my relationship with my father. And even though my father was kind and wanted to come to all my events, all my swim events, everything that I did, even though he was kind and caring, still I had resentment and bitterness towards my father. I had a hatred towards my father. And I would always try and find ways to be as mean as I could to him. I would always try and find ways to insult him. I remember making my father cry. I would make him so angry that he would have to to go outside and leave me because he, in order to hold himself back, because I would try and drive him to the point. I wanted him to strike me. I literally wanted my father to fight me. But you see, my father always tried to teach me lessons of, of life, how to be a man. He tried to teach me how to do yard work, how to build homes, how to do electrical work, how to, how to be a man. And yet I resented him. I didn't understand. I was youthful. I was arrogant. I was prideful. And I didn't know all that my father had for me. And finally, I went to college. Okay, this was years of it building and building and building, this resentment, this anger. I finally went to college. And I get to college and I see all these kids that didn't understand how to do basic things in life. And I was like, Man, what is wrong with these people? How are they so incompetent? Anyway, (laughs) Father, forgive me. Uh, But anyway, I began to realize like, wow, my parents, my dad really set me up for success in life. Like they showed me how to be a man, how to live a life, how to be able to be independent, how to be successful. And I began to have these thoughts, but yet I didn't forgive my father. And I began to to serve in a church in my college and it was amazing and God was doing great things. But I remember one day my mom, my freshman year of college, my mom calls me and it's like 8 p.m. and she just calls me and I go, hey mom. And she just goes, you need to forgive your father. How many of you guys know that moms can do, they can say the things that are the most direct and they can sometimes be, be so mean But yeah, it's out of love, you know, (laughs) they can just hit your heart. It's a way that only a mom can do. Only a mom can do this, okay? But a mom will say things because they hear from the Lord and they want to protect their children. They, they, God gives them downloads of how to protect and guide their children in the ways of the Lord, okay? And that's the thing that only mom can, only moms can do it in, in that certain way, Okay? Anyway, my mom calls me. She says, you need to forgive your father. And I go, "Uh, okay, mom. Yeah, yeah, okay. And she goes, no, I'm serious. God told me that in order for you to walk in the fullness and everything that he has for you, you need to forgive your father. That is the one part of your life that's holding you back from everything that he has from you. And I went, whoa. Uh, I don't know, mom. (laughs) I don't know if you're sure about that. And she said, no, you do. And so finally I said, okay, mom, how do I do that? 
How do I forgive my dad? I, I, I literally can't say the words. She goes, you need to start praying for him. In order to change your heart to have a genuine, sincere forgiveness, you need to start praying for him. Because you can't hate someone when you pray for them. And so I began to pray. I said, okay. Father, it was like holding, it was like just this dam. And I, it was so hard. But finally, I got the words out. I said, God, would you bless my father? Would you pour yourself out on him? Everything that he's done for me. Would you please do it back to him tenfold? And as I began to pray, I began to weep. And I'm in my college dorm and there's two other guys with me. They don't believe in God. But they see me crying and they're like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm just having a moment and I love my dad. Anyway, I go to bed. And while I'm laying in bed, the lights are off, they're asleep. And I just say, Dad, I forgive you. I forgive you. And I began to weep. And at Christmas break, I went home. And I saw my dad and I ran up to him and I hugged him and I said, Dad, I love you. I love you. And I get to have an amazing relationship with my father now. But you see, I held this bitterness and this resentment towards my father because I felt like it gave me power over him that it allowed me to feel like I was above his authority by, by harboring this anger. And I realized when God stripped it away, he was like, this was pride. You let pride come in and you let pride take a foothold where you thought you were above my commandment in forgiving him. You see, Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says, get rid of all bitter, bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and com compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Let go of that pride that you feel like you're justified in holding this bitterness, resentment, and anger towards someone in your life. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6 says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. You see, when I forgave my father, he, God began to move in my life in amazing ways. I had these insane encounters with God and I I got to lead all these kids to Christ. I formed a small group and we started praying. My wife came to Christ. Now, she was, I started dating her before we were married. We broke up. She found God and now we're married. Let's go. Anyway, short little story. But God will do amazing things. It's called missionary dating. I don't advise the children. You know, I'm not sure all of you understand this. Like right now, I'm feeling like God's saying that some of you have someone on your mind right now, but you're holding on to that. You're saying, no, I can't forgive them. My mom, my dad, they abused me when I was younger. They abandoned me. They did a horrible thing to me. My ex-wife, my ex-husband, 
They cheated on me. That forgiveness is for those people. God will forgive me. God's saying, let it go. He's saying, why are you letting these other people captivate your thoughts more than I am? Why are they on your mind more than I am on your mind? I'm just going to wrap this up with the parable, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. You see, the man, the slave owed the king 10,000 talents. And the king forgave his debt. But then this, this slave goes to another slave and he says, you owe me 100 denarii. You know, I always thought, oh, that's like $10,000 and 100 pennies. Okay, whatever. But when I looked it up, a denarii was basically the hourly wage of a slave. That means that this man owed the king 20,000 years of wages. 20,000 years. That's an unforgivable debt, and yet he forgave it. But then the man goes, and he holds the other slave captive. He, he puts him in prison. And I realized this morning, my wife shared this with me. She said, that man didn't realize the true forgiveness that God has for us. He didn't think that that could be so real, that he would be so freeing to us, that he would set us free so easily that we can walk in the freedom of that debt being forgave. So I ask you today, please, that person that God has on your heart right now, that you're thinking about, let it go. Because when you came to Christ, he forgave you of everything and he will forgive you for everything for eternity as long as you repent. But please, let go of that person. Forgive them. Thank you. I think it would only, it, it's only right and it's only fitting because the Lord is working on us right now. The Lord is doing a work. If that is you, if you're feeling it and there's somebody that you're like, hey, I need to, I need to forgive, would you just stand? Because I, I want Blake, I want Blake, I know we're all like, oh no, we need to sit down. Everybody, let's say everybody to stand. Let's just all stand together so we don't want to leave anybody out. And I just want you to just close your eyes and just put your hand on your heart. Because the Lord's going to do a work. He is already doing a work right now. And Blake's just going to lead us in a prayer. Um, that, and so just lead us out, okay? Yeah, Father, I lay this person down before you. I put them down before you at the foot of the cross. And I pray, God, that, that they would no longer have captivity of my mind, and that you would set me free. I choose to forgive. And I choose to turn around. And leave and walk away from. All the hurts. And pain. And suffering. That this person put me through. And I choose to look to you. For the truth. Of my identity. Because they. And the things they said got nothing on what you have to say about me. 
So God, I just declare that you would break the chains off these people right now so that they can run towards the awakening coming, that they would be free to move in, 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 in spotless beauty, God. That they would run after you in Jesus' name. Bless them. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm, again, isn't it just like you're, blah, like it is so good. It's, God is so amazing and it's so cool to watch as we come together and, you know, three different speakers and you get to hear all that the Lord has laid on their heart and to know that God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay right at the bottom, but he wants us to run after him with all everything inside of us. And so it is truly an honor to be able to bring up this, this next speaker. He's going to close us out. He's a VSSM graduate. We heard him uh, speak at VSSM graduation this past uh, May. He's a first-year graduate. But this man walks in anointing. This man walks in the power. This man walks in a calling of God on his life and a mantle, uh, of, of, a mantle that the Lord has placed on him and it's just so cool to watch him and his family. You heard from his wife a few minutes ago as she spoke. And now we get to hear from Travis Evenden. So would you put your hands together and welcome him up to the stage as he closes us out for this morning's messages. Amen. The Lord is good this morning. Whew. Sorry, I'm processing the word that Blake gave and the word that Ryan gave, and I'm just like, oh, thank you, Lord. Let's bring the altar ministry up now. Whew, okay. I want to, I want to quickly acknowledge um, uh, where I feel I'm standing this morning, which is um, I, I, I feel that we all are standing in the legacy of a work that we didn't, have to do. And this stage is the promise kept that um, Pastor Rutson and many other leaders in this church have raised up. And so um, I want to honor that. I love that. I love, yeah, amen. I love um, that the Spirit, we're, we're a community together, we're a family. We say it often that when you come here, you become part of a family. And what the Spirit does is he guides the family together into a new place. And, I, I, you know, I, I just have to say that, you know, some of the things I'm going to share, like, you've heard already. And it's because it's not some parlor trick. It's not some, you know, secret behind-the-scenes thing that happened. But what it was is that I think the Spirit and God really is moving in a way in our church that he's speaking to Ryan in the same way that he speaks to Blake, in the same way he speaks to me, and guess what? He speaks to you also. And so when, you, when it resonates with you, let's just give glory to God that he's doing a work in this house. Um, and over the last couple months, as I've had chances to speak, like what's been on my heart is Isaiah 61. And there's this one verse in Isaiah 61, verse 4, that just gets me choked up. And it says that they shall build up the ancient ruins and they shall raise up the former devastations and they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And 
And we are they, like we are, the Messiah was called to bring us up so that we are the ones that can do that. And I begin to hear from God, like, okay, God, it's us who are going to raise up this generation, but how? And the word the Lord said to me was family. And he said that families are the one, families are the lifeblood of culture and community. Families are what drives and moves culture into a new place. And I know that family for some people is a hard word and it's not always a comfortable word. And it's for some people, there's a desire for family that's not there. And for some people, there's family that's been lost. And um, when we stand up here and we welcome you into this family, I want you to know that it's not a marketing ploy. It's not a polite conversation. It's that there are people in this house that get to speak over my children in ways that other people don't. There are people in this house that speak into my life in ways that no one else has. And it's the family that calls us up. It's the family that knows who you are and is able to call out your identity to encourage and empower you. And you hear it over and over again. And it's because it's what God has called us to do. And, you know, it's too easy to look at culture and point out all of the negative things. I mean, everybody does it all the time. It's too easy to find the flaws in the, in the broken world. And what's more powerful and more difficult is to hear what God's promise is for the world. To hear what God's promise is for the culture around us. And if we're going to be the ones that build up this devastation, the generations that have been lost, if we're the ones called to that, then we got to start hearing what God has promised for our family. And so I want to go this morning to Genesis 15. And I want to, I want to ask the question of, how do we find that promise from God and what do we do when we find it? Because there's nowhere else but the church that raises up a family. So in Genesis 15, God creates a covenant with Abraham. His name was Abram at the time, but you, most of the time we call him Abraham. And Abram had already had a relationship with God. He had already heard from God. God had called him out of the land that his fathers were in into a new place. And God had already begun doing a work in his life. And so we kind of step into the middle of what God's doing in, in, in this promise and this covenant to Abram. And there's five things I want to quickly go over in the way that we work through God's promise and his covenant with us. And these are the five things. We have to envision the promise. Number two, we have to attach our faith to that promise. Number three, we have to remember the promises that he's already fulfilled. Number four, we have to partner through our obedience. And number five, we have to realize that it's God who does the miracle. So I want to break it down. In verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield and your reward shall be very great. But Abram said to God, O Lord God, what will you give me 
For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside, and he said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And I just want to note that God was making a promise to Abram, but he, didn't, he had to see it. Abram had to go outside and see it. He had to take that vision and that promise. He had to hear it from God first, and then he had to see it. And, and we, some of us, we have to see the promise that God has made us. We have to stand in relationship with God and, and, and say, I'm, I'm going to see this. This is a real thing in my life. It was a dream that was, Abram asked for one child and God said, I will give you the stars. It was a dream that he would have never dreamt of on his own. In verse six, it says, he, Abram, believed the Lord, and he, God, counted it to him as righteousness. So church, it's one thing, God can promise us the world, but if we do not attach our faith to that promise, how can we work it out with him? See, faith is the fuel that lets us keep going until the promise is fulfilled. Faith is the thing that we hold on to, that we recognize, that we say, God, we've heard you. We see you working. And I believe that you're going to do it. And Abram had already been all over the land building altars to the Lord in the moments when God had fulfilled a promise to him. And so when, Jesus, or when God said to him, I'm going to do something way bigger, he knew. He's like, this is a faithful God. In verse 7, it says, He said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, Abram, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought, all, he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drew, drew them away. When I first read this as a young man, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I was like, I didn't understand. And culturally, we don't often understand what's happening here. But Abram knew exactly what to do. God had asked something of him, and he responded with obedience, and he knew what was happening. And what was happening in that moment was that God was creating a covenant ceremony with him. And these ceremonies in that time would be between a king and maybe another king or a king and the servant. And they would split the animals in two. And then they would make their covenant. They would make their promise. And they would say to them, if I don't keep my word, as I pass through these animals, 
If I don't keep my word, may I be split in two. May, I, may, may it be done unto me as it's been done to these animals. And, and that's how you know my word is good. And church, we got we to gotta meet God's word with our obedience. Faith and obedience are the two things that he asks from us. So as we go on, it says in verse 12, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and dark, great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be so, sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nations they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And when the sun had gone down, it was dark. And behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of the Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. It's so powerful, church, what God does when he makes a promise like that. Because what he was doing was he was saying, I'm going to make this covenant with you, Abram, and I know that you can't keep up your end. See, when the darkness fell on Abram, when the, the heavy spirit of the Lord came down and passed through those pieces, he didn't ask Abram to do the same. He said, I am going to keep my word, Abram, and I'm going to give you this promise that I've said. And if you don't keep your word, I'm still going to keep this promise. In church, we have to be able to walk through these moments realizing that we, we attach our faith. We, we see over and over again and remember what God has done already that fuels our faith. We walk out in obedience to the things that God asks us to walk out in, but it's, he, it's, it's God that does the miracle. It's God that passes through the pieces. And the covenant is a promise to us. And some of us, we got to dream bigger. Some of us are afraid to ask for that promise. Some of us are happy and content with the thing that is in front of us. But I'm hearing this morning, and I've been hearing in this church for months now, that there's a move of God in families that's happening. And if we want to be the ones that are driving the culture, if we, we got to dream bigger. we got to look for the promise that's bigger. we got to go outside and see the stars. Because, listen, church, like, <laughs> stopping crime is good. Cleaning up streets is a noble act. But families are what is going to change the culture. And we can have faith and we can see it for ourselves. We can have the vision of it. And we can be obedient in the steps God takes us to. But we got to remember that he's the one that does the miracle. 
Some of you today are holding on to promises that you haven't seen yet. Some of you today need a promise. And I just think to how beautiful an illusion this is to several hundred years later when Jesus sits at the table with his disciples and he says, I'm gonna make a promise with you. And I know you can't do it on your own. And my body is gonna be broken for you. And I'm gonna step through the pieces and I know that you can't do the miracle, but what you can do is you can believe and you can be obedient to my word. And you can watch and some, church, I'm telling you, some of you are the promise fulfilled for someone else. Your lives are the promises fulfilled that God had promised to your mother, to your father, to your grandfather. You are that promise today. When we were at youth camp this year, it was, it was beautiful. Like it was seeing young people's lives touched. And there was a moment when I'm praying and I'm just thanking God. And he said, do you remember? I promised this to you. And I remembered there was a time when I was that young person at the altar. And I, I heard from God. He said, you're going to be a part of me transforming the lives of other young people. And there was a time that was really hard and that we had to walk through it. And I didn't see that promise, but we had faith and my wife and I, and we, our families, we carried that faith. And I didn't know when, but I just knew that I had to keep taking the steps that he put in front of me. And then I got to go to camp and see lives changed. And then God reminded me, he said, this is that promise. And so in just a minute, I would love for the ministry teams to come up. And, you know, I think we take a minute to check our hearts and, and see where are we? Do we see God's promise? Can we see it? Is it real to us in our hearts? Have we attached our faith to it? And maybe some of you haven't. Maybe some of you need that promise today. Maybe some of you need to come up front and hear from God. This is what I have for your future. And guess what? Here are all those moments I was there. I was fulfilling promises that you didn't see, that you didn't know were coming, that you'd forgotten about. one thing I do know is that God always keeps his promises. He always keeps his promises. So would you pray with me? If we could have the ministry team come up. We just thank you, Lord for this moment, God, that you planned. We thank you, Jesus, that every person that walked into this building, you have a promise for. God, there's a now moment that's happening in our church, in our family, and you're inviting us in to hear it. 
So I just lift them up, Lord, to you. We say, would your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you, God, for the promises that you've kept and the promises that you've given us. And as you go this morning, I want you to, I want you to look for where God is fulfilling the things he has promised you. Because he is a faithful God. And he has more than we've ever dreamed. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done. In your mighty name, amen. I think this is a good moment. If you would just stand with me to your feet. This is a moment of, of the now, the moment of, of the hearing, the moment of letting go. And so I just, I just want to just, can we just do that, that act? We have been challenged. We have, we, have been, we have heard the word of the Lord. But would you just right now just get out of your seat and let, would you just come to the front? Would you just right now get out of your seat? Come out to the front. Come on, come on. The Lord's doing something right now. And we're just going to, we're going to start worshiping together. And I just know that the Lord's going to continue. So get out of your seat. Let's, let's come down. Let's, come on. This was a challenging that this was, we're going to live this out now, God. We're not going to let it go by. Squeeze in, squeeze in, squeeze in. There's room, there's room. There's room at this plate. There's room at this altar. There's room at this table. There's room at the Father's table. Come on, come on. Squeeze in, squeeze in. Start making your way around. There's still more people coming. Come on, come on. Squeeze in. Some of you might have to squeeze over here. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Come in, come in. Squeeze in, squeeze in. Yeah, and as Pastor Christy just starts to lead us in worship, would you just put your hands out? We just know that the Father's just doing some a, a great work, and when he starts a work, he, he completes it. He doesn't just start it and leave it half-hearted. He doesn't just stop it. He doesn't just leave it half put together. But what he's doing is reviving and restoring and setting free this morning. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just say right now, for all of us that have come forward, we are ready to live it out, God. We have been called out today. We came out of our seat knowing that we're doing the prophetic act, that we're leaving it all behind, and we're running towards you, Father. We're going to run into the arms of a loving God. Lord, we know that you are good, and your mercy endures to every generation. And so we thank you, Father, that what we are standing in is your promise, your promised word that you have already given to us. So, Father, right now, we just, we just give it all to you. We walk in your goodness. We walk in your, in, your, in your power. We walk in your promises that you have given to us. We thank you, Lord, that we're going to be able to walk this out this week, that we're going to walk in your calling and your anointing that you have already given us, that we have already given to us, God. So we're saying, fill us up right now. Fill us up to overflow. Fill us up to overflow, God, that we that we splashes over to our neighbor. It splashes over to the person beside us. It splashes over to the person in front and in back. So we just say, Father, that you just continue to move and, and, and move amongst us. So come on, let's just take a moment. Keep your eyes closed. Keep your hands out. And we're just going to now start praying for people. We're going to come through ministering with you as Pastor Christy leads us in worship. My